Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and forgotten taxpayers to the one and only Conservative Review podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, America's watchman in the house for your only conservative independent talk show host here. And let me tell you guys, Rush Limbaugh might call himself America's anchorman, but I think I am America's watchman. Evidently, there's nobody standing on this high guard tower watching the plays down the field, seeing and seeking the opportunities that we have to advance as a nation, to restore our republic, restore our values, and you know, just foster security, prosperity, stability, job creation for this country. And I look down the field and I see this great opportunity. There's a lot going on here. A lot of people are talking about the stupid debates and we're forever going to be talking about the Democrats and the primaries. And I keep mentioning day after day, in and out, all these opportunities we have to advance on policies, on immigration, on crime, on security, on economic issues, on health care. And where behind each and every one of these issues, you have Republicans screwing us, sometimes almost every single Republican in the White House, in congressional leadership, governors, you name it. And there's no effort to flush our own swamp. And again, I say our very loosely on the right, the so-called right. I certainly don't view myself as a Republican. I'm an independent conservative, and I think that's what you guys want to hear. But... The reality is that if we're going to sit and talk about the Democrats all day, there's one thing I think we're all missing. Bernie Sanders is providing us with such an enormous once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to succeed and try one more time to get back our nation. Now, I don't mean an opportunity just to win an election because he's such a bad candidate, but I mean to finally push this Overton window back to the right, back where it should be. Whereas seemingly, you look at what the left has done to our culture, our economics, how they've perpetuated their policies, they've set off time bombs that allow their policies to self-perpetuate and harm us all the time. It seems hopeless in many ways. But sometimes it takes a cathartic moment where they push too hard, too fast, that people wake up. And in many ways, Bernie is that gift because there's no subtlety with him. It's straight up. You can't run. You can't hide. You can't make peace with it as our system has done. Our system has made peace with the anarchism and socialism of the Democrat Party because it's too subtle and and. You know, whether it's on a corporate level, an individual level, a cultural level, they seem to be able to live good lives. They seem to be able to succeed even with this going on. So they're like, I don't care. And you know what? If it's going to be unpleasant to run into the headwinds of the cultural Marxists, you know what? I'm going to go join with them. Bernie is allowing us this one opportunity to provide this bold contrast and roll back these policies and actually have an Elijah on Mount Carmel moment with the public. A moment of clarity. What do I mean by this? Let me give you 
a great exhibit of this, an article I'm going to have out today. J.P. Morgan Chase announced that they're going to join, basically join the war against America's energy production. And that until now, they've been the biggest financer lender to the oil, gas and coal industries. They announced yesterday it was their annual investor day. They announced that they're going to basically divest from all coal plants or mines financing that they're going to divest from any companies that get the majority of their revenue from coal. They're going to phase that out by 2024 and that they're no longer going to finance loans for oil, for uh, oil and gas drilling, at least in the Arctic. And what you're seeing here, this was at the behest of the radical environmental groups. And, and what you see is where they can't succeed at the ballot box or legislatively, they go to the courts. But even more so, they go to the culture. They go to the markets. They go to the linchpins of society. They're really good at this. This entire cancel culture, the boycotts. And what they've basically done over the last generation is they've captured corporate America first through submission and fear. And now they've just become a part of it, the corporate bosses. So whereas they've always controlled academia, media, entertainment, the foundations, now they have corporate America. And that's really where you're seeing them get results and outcomes. Remember, our side is too busy focused on talking points. They have outcomes. And part of how they get outcomes is they do it in the culture. And this is what they do. We have made it that there is no equal and opposing force. So if you look at it from the corporate perspective with a weak Republican Party representing the alternatives and with an officious, aggressive, truculent Democrat left wing movement that will bite their heads off if they don't join with the cultural and fiscal Marxism. What they've basically done is they've made peace with this. And each industry, what they do is whatever doesn't affect them directly. Okay, so it's not banking regulations. It's oil and gas regulations. All right, I'll screw them. And even ones in the industries, they often find ways to get around it because they realize it's more profitable for them to just join the left. BP announced this month that they're withdrawing their membership with the trade associations of the American Fuel and Petrochemical Manufacturers, the Western Energy Alliance, and the Western States Petroleum Association, because they disagree with their stances on the environment. Again, at the behest of the eco-radicals, the radical anarchists, they're gradually getting them to enact their policies, even if they can't do it legislatively. This, this remains the biggest threat to our civil society and this is really where they have us around the neck but there's a way out of it and i've been saying this until now it's a mixture of us getting more aggressive which we need to do and also something that is naturally happening the takeover of the democrat party the culmination of the takeover by bernie sanders and his activists see because of the prosperity we have in this country, it has allowed the, these corporations to 
succeed in in maintaining their revenue and prosperity, albeit it's worth it for them in order to put the kosher stamp of approval on their revenue to assuage their guilt, they pay almost like this extortion tax to the left. And that is they're willing to, you know, give a little bit on a couple of things. And then they'll turn around and, and, and plus they know that the Democrats, they never go all out fully. They'll talk about certain things, but at the end of the day, it's more venture socialism than pure socialism, which is why, you know, because they, they want their donations too. keep in mind. Oil and gas, I think, does more donate to Republicans. But if you look at almost every other industry, banking, they give to plenty of Democrats and healthcare. My gosh, they give to Democrats up the wazoo. So they're not going to destroy them. Plus, Republicans bail them out from the one thing they care about, the corporate tax rate. So they keep the taxes down. Plus, certain very targeted regulatory issues. Once Republicans, they, once they, the industries benefit from the Republicans on those few things, then they could turn around with full confidence that they're not going to get destroyed and be the cultural Marxist enforcers for the left. Hence, they'll put, promote refugees, illegal immigration, um, criminal justice deform, eco stuff. And then even, even on the fiscal issues, they'll, they'll support, you know, they'll, they'll keep the corporate welfare, but they'll support individual welfare because it makes them look like good people and Obamacare and, you know, Medicaid, food stamps, all this stuff. Good, good corporate steward, stewardship, communal involvement. That's what they do. It's time we make them choose sides like Elijah and Mount Carmel. How long are you going to straddle the fence? Are you with Baal or are you with God? Similar thing needs to be said to them. Hey, buddies, there's something changing now. Bernie has no subtlety. Okay, so he will destroy you. Pick a side. That now, see, now is a point where they're going to have to wake up because this is going to be straight up anarchism and communism. Your day will come on this sinking ship. You're on the same boat. And that hole that you are helping to dig is going to drown you along with us. So my attitude is, hey, buddy, you know what? If you don't start, what I would do if I were, and again, of course, they're, they're a bunch of losers. But if I were Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell, what I would do is say, hey, buddies. If you keep up this eco stuff. This open border stuff, the homosexual agenda, transgenderism stuff. Enforcing cultural Marxism. We're just going to step back and let the Democrats screw you where, you, where, where it hurts you and your bottom line as well. You can't have it both ways. We're not going to allow you to benefit from us, the 10%, turn around and screw us the 90% of the other issues. We're going to have to make them choose sides. And I think Bernie really provides us with that opportunity. But sadly, Republicans agree with it. So we're not going to take that opportunity. As I noted, Republicans are pushing, um, you know, all this environmental stuff, the, the, the conservative climate change plan. Where do you think this is coming from? Why, uh, rather than them 
pressuring the industries, the industries are, are wagging the dog. The tail's wagging the dog. This is an article from um, CQ. Trump's EPA readies rollback of industry back pollution rule. So they basically talk about, and this is what I talk about all the time. I mean, the, the White House has tremendous problems. But then even on the few issues where Trump is generally consistently pushing in the right direction, then you have congressional Republicans and their industries and lobbyist supporters that, that, that are screwing with them. Even when it comes to environmental regulations where you would think you would have the industries, no, the industry is bought into this already. Remember, you know, Trump has been trying to roll back some of these regulations. I think, you know, really one of the one of the um, you know, we've talked a lot this week about a lot of the failures and disappointments of this administration. But I think one of the greatest accomplishments, if you look at the great American miracle of, of oil and gas production. We're now the last month at an all time high, 13 million barrels per day. That is a 46% increase since Trump took office. And again, the, you know, they want to talk about, oh, they're for the little guy. This is the opportunity to stand before the American people and say, wait a minute. You're going to end all of this prosperity, the, the keeping costs down on vital goods and services, job creation. You know, during the dust up with Iran, Prices did not go up because we dominate the market. States like New Mexico, who are very poor, have seen a 250% increase in um, gas production, oil, uh, oil production since 2012. It's enormously boosted state revenue, created jobs. And the amazing thing is, the more we drill, the more God renews the resources, and the more we find find that there's there's more recoverable oil according to the eia proven reserves of crude oil have increased by 12 percent since just two years ago more than doubled over the last 13 years natural gas proven reserves increased by nine percent since 2017 and have doubled since 20 uh, 2005 now stands at over 504 trillion cubic feet. Are we going to allow the flat earth progressives to ruin all this progress? That's a question we all need to deal with. But again, back to this. Basically, um, there was this, it's called MATS, the mercury and air toxic standard that Obama, again, just made up, not pursuant to statute, whole cloth, rolling it back. No one bothers to look at the cost of these regulations, what it does on vital goods and services, what it does on jobs. And basically, the industry already bought into it. They already priced it in. Because again, the big players have to exist. It's the same thing with healthcare. There is an economy and they have to exist. So all it does is just Put them out of put others out of business, the big ones stay, and they pass on the cost to the consumer. This is where we need a consumer bill of rights. Oh, it's so great to talk about all this toxic pollution. Sounds great. All these bogus studies and this and that. No one ever looks at the other side of this. The Trump administration is trying to roll it back, and yet 
these industry whores are pushing back. Lamar Alexander. Ever since being elected to the Senate, I've worked to clean up our air. The mercury rule has helped clean our air, waters, and streams and has been good for our state and economy. Yeah, really good for the economy. Exelon Corp., one of the largest energy companies in America. Efforts to roll back that rule that successfully cut mercury and other toxins are are unnecessary and universally opposed by the power generation sector. I mean, here's where they got us. Here's where they got us. Susan Collins, Joe Manchin, and Tom Tillis, who was endorsed by Trump, sent a letter urging the EPA to keep the rule in place. They're working on bipartisan legislation to uh, basically codify this into statute. And there we go. But here's what I'm telling you guys. This is where Bernie gives us a huge opportunity to turn around to these industries and say, hey, buddy, if you don't cut the crap out, we'll stick them on you. You know, I'll sit and focus on, you know, you, 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 want, you want to pick the regulations you want and don't want, get the tax cuts, but then turn around and screw with us on everything else. No, 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 you don't get to do that. Pick a side. Because if we don't do that, I'm just telling you, this is how they have us around the neck with the venture of socialism. Not only do they have the general industries bought into, you know, the cultural Marxism, but even to a lot of a lot of the regulatory stuff they're bought into. But that's the problem. Behind every one of these things is a Republican pushing it. You know, you have um, a bipartisan letter, Mac Thornberry, the Republican ranking member of the Armed Services Committee, sent a letter together with the the chairman, the Democrat chairman, saying he opposes Trump's reprogramming of of border funding, of uh, defense funding for a border wall. Because as chairman of the Armed Services Committee, he views the military's job as Afghanistan, not America. He's retiring now, so he feels he could go and do what he wants, unlike Kay Granger, who's also on that committee who is backing Trump, but only now because she got his endorsement. By the way, you guys need to donate to Chris Putnam's campaign. Chris Putnam, you can look it up, challenging Kay Granger. Very close race there, a very big opportunity to knock her off. We need to send a message. But um, he, I, I mean, you, you could, could just go down the line of these committees and you'll see with each one whether it's a ranking member or a chairman. And they're all clowns. They just all are. I don't know what to say. They're all utter clowns. So, um, so there you go. I'm not sure how you do this. I don't know. You look at one committee after another, and you have an idiot. Greg Walden is the chairman of Energy and Commerce. What does he have, like a 40-30 Liberty score? Energy and Commerce, I mean, totally, he's one of these bought into the conservative uh, global warming stuff. Just one puke after another. 
Ranking member on Homeland Security is Mike Rogers, Total Rhino. I don't know, folks. I don't know where we go from here. But this is a very big problem. You look at all these chairmen, and you think like Lamar Alexander, we get rid of him. But I told you, there's this puke that has a ton of money that already got Trump's support to replace him in the Senate. A Mitt Romney guy. So this is going to continue going on. Republicans are going to continue just, oh, Bernie's, the, they'll pick the most radical things, but then rather than using that as an impetus to win the civilization battles, they'll use it as a talking point to win an election and then go on and do everything short of Bernie. They'll just do the venture socialism. You know, I love it how yesterday we had this show vote on, on, on the life bill. The pain-capable bill. Oh, Lindsey Graham got to show how pro-life he is. See, they won't even have show votes on immigration because that, that, that they don't even want to push. Life is enough of a constituency that every year the Senate has to do like one thing on it. So they hold a show vote. Meanwhile, they have no intention, even when they have trifecta control, of ever enacting it. Because as I told you, until and unless you push back against judicial supremacy, this is all an utter lie. Because let's say Congress would say abortion is banned after, tw after 20 weeks. Well, you know what's going to happen. The Supreme Court, the lower courts, they'll do their thing. And the members of Congress are like, oh, there's nothing we can do. Um, it's, it's the courts get to decide this. Uh, we have one branch of government, not three. Uh, so just elect more Republicans and we'll uh, elect better judges. So the scam keeps going on. Scam keeps going on. And by the way, I just want to go back to the point. The, the lesson that the Bernie bros, I think, are going to show these industries that we need to take advantage of is that you can never outbid the left. If you think you could pay the, the extortion and it might have worked until now, the way the left is these days, you can never absolve your sins with them. You can never pay enough extortion. You can never outbid them in their own game. You can never be more judicial supremacist than they are. You can never be more pro-homosexual than they are. You can never be more for spending money than they are. You can never be pro-criminal or pro-open borders enough than they are. If you think you're going to win voters by outbidding them on any of those issues, like they think they're going to outbid them on, you know, the so-called the black vote by being pro-criminal, which is stupid, or the Hispanic vote by being pro-open borders, you're stupid. So what's interesting is you look at the reaction to J.P. Morgan Chase's announcement and they're like, hey, buddy, not good enough. I want you to divest not from just from drilling in the Arctic, but drilling in the lower 48 as well. So, again, that is our opportunity because. You know, until now, the Democrats have kind of been tough because they, they've been very strategic and smart about it. They don't want to kill the golden goose. So they do it enough to empower themselves, but they don't, you know, and, and again, raise the cost, pass the cost on to consumers, box out competition, but they're not going to destroy the golden goose that donates to them. But what, what the left-wing base is demanding is that they, they want death. They want blood. And these guys are just going to, they're, they're going to put them out of business.
It's a similar thing you're seeing with the coronavirus now. You know, I criticized yesterday the Trump administration for pushing another $2.4 billion when nobody is talking about this. Maybe I'll do an article on it. But HHS has record funding, like way over Obama's levels. NIH, CDC, it's never enough. But you know what's funny? What happened? The Democrats savaged them, said, you're not serious about this. And now Chuck Schumer is demanding $8.5 billion. You can never outbid them. You have to come with a policy solution. And that is being more careful about travel the minute these things start, being more careful about immigration. And I think, you know, something we do need to talk about in the coming days, maybe maybe we'll try to have him on the show. Senator Josh Hawley is talking about our supply chain, our medical supply chain. So much of it is, is controlled, manufactured in, guess where? India and China. And we need to do something about that. And this, again, ties back into the whole labor issue and immigration where the medical industry, just like tech, it's not just tech. The medical industry is being run by India and China and all these foreign workers. And that giant sucking sound you hear of the data transmission where we don't control our own um, trade secrets are going back to there. You know, most of these workers are just trying to earn a living and then, you know, you offer them to come to America, they'll come. But remember, there's big businesses and, and foreign brokers that are controlling this. And inevitably, they do. Some of them are going to be spies for them. You can't just look at this at an individual level. You have to understand that when you allow this massive pipeline and conduit of Chinese and Indian workers there's going to be masters back in those home countries controlling that. So that's, that's a bigger issue we're going to be talking about in the coming days. One other thing on Bernie, just before I get to the, some other things I want to talk about. If you notice, Bernie is crushing the primary field in any state with a significant Hispanic voter block. So you won Nevada very uh, you know, by a substantial margin. And he is crushing it in California. I'm just saying it's very interesting that we were told for years, oh, these are natural conservatives. All the Bush Republicans were, oh, you know, as long as you just, Daniel, just stop it with the, the sovereignty stuff and just, just be open to, to open borders. And then they'll be with us on, on social fiscal issues. And here's the irony. Bernie is not more notoriously known as open borders than any other Democrat, right? I mean, it's the same thing. What he is more notoriously known for is more overtly being a socialist. So, I mean, even more than the open borders, what motivates, you know, the majority, the the 65 percent or so, 70 percent of Hispanics that are going to vote for them. You know, the other percentage, they they don't buy into it, but but that percentage that does which is always going to be the overwhelming majority. And the more you bring in, the less assimilation, the more you're going to have and, and the less Americanization, the percentage is going to be even higher. But it's not just the borders. They buy into the socialism. They buy into all that, the Bernie bro stuff. Which is why he's winning their vote. So that was just that observation. I want to talk to you about something else. We've been talking about this defeat mechanism of Republicans glorifying Republican judicial picks as the solution to the judiciary, when in fact the judiciary is worse than ever, 
and this is only distracting people. And in fact, so many of them are helping as a defeat mechanism, making it worse. And I've noted that not only are so many of the non-Clarence Thomas justices, and they switch off depending on them, but most often um, Kavanaugh and Roberts, but, but on this libertarian streak of Gorsuch is really killing us. Not only are they not going to roll back bad precedent, but they're downright going to roll back good precedent and side with lower courts and some of these new lawsuits, even as some of them they'll, they'll push back, but some of them they'll codify and we're going to go backwards. One of these cases that I am downright terrified about is 8 USC 1324. I've talked about it a lot, a lot. The, the um, law passed unanimously under IRA-IRA by the Senate in 1996, criminalizing, encouraging, inducing, harboring, shielding from detection, illegal aliens, conspiracy to commit these acts. And I've noted that we need to use that tool more often. Well, there actually is a case that's in the courts, and it looks like we're going to lose that entire statute under this notion that courts could strike down laws. I want you to hear this very carefully because this is, again, something you will not hear elsewhere. In case you think I'm exaggerating, I'm joshing you about how the Trump Supreme Court nominees just suck. And again, Trump, if someone would tell him this, he would be appalled. But he has no idea because he doesn't see this. He just sees the other cases. Um, you know, the good ones. But again, the good ones, see... When you have the left putting 20 insane things in the lower courts, yes, I expect that Trump's judicial nominees in the Supreme Court will bat 20 for 20 because I really expect them to roll back even the, the previous longstanding bad stuff. So certainly that they're just not going to codify new bad stuff should be a no brainer, right? That should be a no brainer. Yet we are on our way to what could very well be a seven to two ruling against us that somehow the law, AUSC 1324, against encouraging illegal immigration is unconstitutional. So let me, let me tee it up here, this case here. I wrote about it last year, really um, a little more than a year ago, a Ninth Circuit garbage. So in the past, I believe the Second Circuit, the Fifth Circuit have, has always you know, so-called upheld, I hate using that terminology because courts can't uphold or strike down the issue judgment to a plaintiff, and we're going to see where that makes a difference in a minute. But, uh, you know, they've, they've made it very clear that, of course, I mean, this is a valid law like anything else. Immigration shouldn't be different from anything else that, you know, government could criminalize facilitating criminal behavior. Conspiracy to... to you know, commit other acts is we could criminalize that. I mean, that that that's just why should immigration be different? But again, immigration is different. We're seeing that immigration is being treated differently. It's being treated as a moral issue on behalf of criminal aliens. So the courts are doing everything they can do to dismantle statutes related to this. And this is what I tell you. Everyone's focused on, oh, Ilan Omar has an immigration bill. 
It's not going to pass. And if it somehow did, Democrats would get crushed. I got news for you. The courts in these little known cases that nobody is following is accomplishing for them 50, 100, 150 year victories overturning, you know, ironclad principles and sovereignty overnight. Criminal laws, immigration laws without firing a shot. No one knows. There's no backlash. They're, they're tenured for life. And some of these cases are being done by Republican appointees and not just any Republican appointees, but the exalted, I mean, the appointees that that serve as an applause line at Trump rallies. I mean, Kavanaugh and Gorsuch are like punchlines. Oh, they're like, God, men, are they great? Men, are they great? So this case, this was the Ninth Circuit that basically said that 1324 or part of 1324 is unconstitutional. There was this immigrant lawyer. She is a naturalized citizen from the Philippines, Evelyn Sinnenberg Smith. Now, what a lot of them do is rather than being thankful to America to provide an opportunity for them, they seek to subvert our laws to bring in more of their kind illegally. And it's really disgusting. I hate it. I mean, those are the worst. So she had this boutique immigration consulting business in San Jose, California. Several other branches throughout the country, basically to help illegal aliens obtain visas in the U.S. She was convicted in 2013 in Northern District of California. Okay, this is is a left-wing court of two felony counts of violating immigration law, in addition to two non-immigration counts of mail fraud for knowingly advising her illegal immigrant clients to take advantage of worker programs for which they weren't eligible. 2015, she was sentenced to 18 months in prison. I want to make it very clear. We're not talking about someone standing up and saying, I love illegal immigrants. I want open borders. I hate immigration law. I think all illegal immigrants should be allowed to stay. I'm talking about taking concrete actions. And here, especially as an immigration lawyer, to facilitate specific illegal aliens to remain in the country against our laws and to circumvent our laws. That should be, I don't want to hear this, oh, freedom of speech, Daniel, criminalizing political advocacy. No, this is not freedom of speech. This is like any other conspiracy to commit a crime. So again, AUSC 1324, A1, A4, it's a felony prosecution. For anyone who, quote, encourages or induces an alien to come or enter or reside in the United States, knowing or in reckless disregard of the fact that such coming to entry or residence or is or will be in violation of the law. And, and, and again, if there's ever a case you're going to have it, it's going to be with an immigration lawyer committing mail fraud. The Department of Justice under Obama presented significant evidence from five separate cases where Sinnenberg Smith knowingly worked with unscrupulous employers to try to get work visas for those who overstayed their tourist visas and were living here illegally. Not only did she encourage illegals to remain here illegally, she actually defrauded the illegal immigrants themselves too. She took thousands of dollars to give them the impression that she was working to obtain visas and green cards that certainly weren't forthcoming. She said that she actually sent them false letters hoodwinking them that looked like it was from like USCIS or or whatever State Department. So that they thought that they earned legal status. Okay, that that that's the ultimate. 
But the Ninth Circuit said, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. It's unconstitutional. You're criminalizing, quote, pure advocacy on a hotly debated issue in our society. Now, the way I describe this case, you should already see that this is a no-brainer. It has nothing to do with that. These are laws that have been on the books in some capacity since 1891. It was a felony to assist or encourage the importation or migration of any alien by promise of employment through advertisements. Well, isn't that just freedom of speech? I'm sick of hearing, oh, these libertarians is somehow like, and, and, and again, when this opinion comes out against us, all the right-leaning thumbsuckers are going to be like, you know, Daniel, you can't always get what you want on, on policy. The legal call was right. They were right. Gorsuch was right. No, you're not right. Somehow we're, we're, we're more pro-Constitution than, than we were in the 1800s. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. This is from Slate Magazine now. I have not yet read through the transcript of the oral arguments yesterday in this case. Um, U.S. v. Sinnenberg-Smith. But I can tell you that from those that I know did, it doesn't look good. And I'm just going to read to you from this Slate article. It's very left-wing. But again, they're usually complaining like of this right-wing court. And they were very, their court reporter was very happy with what he saw. No justice except Samuel Alito seemed to believe that the government can really punish anybody who, quote, encourages undocumented immigration. This is, I'm just reading their bias here, but they're right. Um, now, by the way, Thomas, I'm sure, will be with Alito. Thomas just doesn't talk during um, oral arguments. So again, we're going to be stuck with, with Thomas and Alito. And basically... Chief Justice Roberts' first question of the day did not bode well for the government. He asked Deputy Solicitor General Eric Fagan to concede, quote, that there are situations in which this would be unconstitutional, unconstitutional as applied. Let's suppose a grandmother whose granddaughter is in the United States illegally tells the granddaughter, I hope you will stay. I will miss you. Things will not get better if you go back. So I encourage you to stay. The First Amendment plainly protects the speech, yet it would be illegal under the statute, right? So, first of all, let, let me just talk about the stupidity of this. And, and I'm going to read to you from, from Gorsuch as well. There's this nonsense, this unconstitutionally vague business, where th this, I call it the Amelia Bedelia syndrome, where there are laws that everyone knows what they mean, and they basically say that, well, because it's written uh, encouraging, well, that's unconstitutional. So it's struck down. The statute is struck down. Here's the problem with that. Remember how I always say that courts don't strike down laws, courts issue grant relief to a plaintiff, or they could refuse to convict a plaintiff under the statute, but that's not striking down. Well, Daniel, what's the difference? Isn't that semantics? There's a huge difference, and, and here's where it is. See, if you tell me courts have a veto power, that the Constitution would say, hey, Congress passes a law, like they did in 1996 here, IRA, IRA, AUSC 1324 is the statute, whatever section 212 of the INA and the president could pass it, but then it has to be ratified by the courts and they could veto it. So then look, they could say, well, I think the statute is unconstitutionally vague. They veto it. But that's not what happens. What happens is they issue a judgment to a plaintiff. 
Now, in this case, in that hypothetical, if that case comes before the court and DOJ and DHS want to grab someone for saying, I hope you, you, you don't get deported. Ha! Huh, you encourage illegal immigration. I'm going to prosecute you for a year in prison. OK. So then fine, you could say, look, I'm a court. I'm not going to prosecute you because I think it would be unconstitutional, an unconstitutional abridgment of the First Amendment to prosecute you. That's fine. But that's not the case. The case is an immigration attorney who took active concrete steps and engaged in fraud to facilitate specific aliens remaining in the country, defrauding our immigration system. That is like anything else where the government has the right to criminalize that. That's not protected speech. So to say that, oh, I don't know how to apply this. I don't know what the rule of construction is going to be because I'm worried that the vagueness of the law, you could rope in those cases. But that's not the case. The courts don't rule on. Could I strike down a USC 1324 or not? That's not what a judge does. A judge rules on U.S. v. Sinnenberg-Smith. And in that case, you have to rule that that is a legitimate conviction. If another hypothetical comes before us, then let's talk about it then. But because of that, you can't strike down a law that's utter nonsense and that violates the judicial power. So they're wrong on the merits here, but they're also wrong on the nature of judicial power. Um, Neil Gorsuch pointed out something else that really, really makes stuff up here. He has a, he has a different argument. He doesn't like a different aspect of this. It's a basic First Amendment value that courts don't al allow punishment for speech greater than underlying conduct itself. For instance, if you egg on a bank robbery, you can't be sent to prison for longer than the thieves who robbed the bank. So he wanted to apply that here. But simply residing in the United States without authorization isn't a felony or even a misdemeanor. It's a civil offense. How how um, Gorsuch asked, can the government criminally punish the speech? where the conduct itself would be civilly punished. Now, I don't know where he made up this principle that you can't punish conspiracy to aid and abet more than the actual crime. I don't know where he made that up. That's a constitutional principle. I'd love, I'd love to know where that is in the Constitution. That's a political question. You might politically think it's not wise to do that. But the notion that if theoretically that a state or a feds couldn't say that in certain cases they would want to criminalize the aiding and abetting more than the actual crime for various reasons, you could disagree on the, with the reasons, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but that's a political argument. I don't understand where the legal principle comes for, for that. Again, one thing you want to say is unconstitutional to, to criminalize it. Okay, I, I debunked that. But he wants to go on to the next thing to say, how could it be more? Well, they're missing the point, and we talk about this all the time. There's a reason for that. There's a reason they made immigration a civil, not a criminal offense, precisely because they don't want the court screwing with it and creating due process. And they felt that as long as they're, they're not committing other serious crimes, and I agree with this, we don't want to load up our prisons with other millions of other countries' people 
We just want to enforce sovereignty to get them out of here. So yeah, we're not trying to criminally convict them. That's not the point. So we have the, precisely because we have the option of deporting them, we're going to opt for deportation rather than try to criminally convict people because it doesn't make sense unless there's, you know, they harmed a specific person that requires justice and there's a reason we want to hold them. But otherwise, in general, we're going to want to just repatriate them. It's not a matter of a severe or less severe. It's a logistical thing that we deport them because we can, and it's wiser to do than try to lock them up in jail for two, three, four, five years. But if you have someone seriously defraud, not just as one illegal alien, but defrauding and in inducing and in facilitating hundreds of illegals to remain in the country, and you're also an American citizen, so we don't have the op the the deterrent power of deportation we can't deport you so our only option is to criminally convict you and threaten you with jail time so yeah then we're going to threaten you with jail time huh now that kind of makes sense doesn't it schmucky gorsuch i don't see a quote again I'm, I'm relying on slate i haven't looked at the transcript yet they they claim gore you know it's only alito and and likely thomas so i'm assuming they have stuff from kavanaugh too and, and look, this is what they buy into. It's the same crap that Gorsuch did with Sessions v. DeMaia. Crime of violence is unconstitutionally vague. So all these thousands of criminal aliens, LPRs, because they require a conviction, um, remain in the country because he said that that's invalid. And the case before him, again, from California, was a guy who clearly was violent. Oh, but it might rope in people. I don't know. Government could apply that sparingly. So what? Find a case like that and we'll talk about it. You can't this whole like void for vagueness doctrine is made up. Well, Daniel, Daniel, he's right under the void for vagueness of the doctrine. Hey, they encourage induce. It's wide open. So many statutes are like that. It's such bull. Suddenly we screw with it because it's immigration. That's why. But even if you disagree with that, it's not the role of the court to do this. Folks, how do I give this over to people on a bumper sticker? Oh, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh. Give me a freaking break. Sorry to end off on a bad note, but look, you gotta, guys got to get the truth. There's so many opportunities we have. Like I said, if we win this election, we have an opportunity to end judicial supremacism and cut a deal with the left while they think we're winning the courts. Folks, tell me now, do you really think it wouldn't be a good deal to get them out of there? Let me tell you, most of these Republican-appointed judges are part of the problem. There's a reason we are where we are after so many years of supposedly appointing better judges. It's the same reason we're going to continue to be where we're headed if we don't change the game. Send the show to 50 of your friends, relatives. We need to build a movement upon truth. Till tomorrow, God bless you all. And have a terrific day.